You were probably way too young for boys to men. Oh, no, I remember them. The end of their career was like when I came into the picture. This is the Campus Report. This is the Campus Report live to tape from the Y Millbank Studios in Millbank, South Dakota. I'm Craig Weinberg sitting with Morgan Morgan Jones. Jones. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Hey, uh, I'm, I'm good. Uh, 16, no, 16, 16, geez. 2014. 14. Graduate from Millbank. I know, I'm getting um, old. <laughs> crazy old. Um, did you, were you born in the Millbank? Yep, I was born in Millbank in 96. And wow. I've lived here my entire life. You realize that's when I, almost when I graduated high school. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You've lived here the entire time? Yes. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, Moved one time, and it was like a block away from my original address. Oh, so. So, so, all right. <laughs> so a lot of moving around yes. in your life. Um, growing up, well, first we, we should say your grandpa yes. is Jim Farrell. Yes. Who is iconic in this region. Yes, he's a legacy. <laughs> As an auctioneer. Right. Um, has he done anything? I mean, that has that been his primary career? Yeah, his first business he started when he was 19 in Millbank, and it was actually a cattle auction that burnt down after oh, two right. sales. So it's all he's done. His father was an auctioneer as well in the area, so just kind of our family legacy. And you have two uncles that work with him directly, right? Yes. Does your mom at all? Um, my mom does work for the business. She has her real estate license, and then she okay. does kind of more of the behind-the-scenes work. Okay, so she's not. she doesn't auctioneer at all. No, that's only she ever Paul and to? Steve. I don't think so. I think that's just kind of the males in the family. We leave it up to them. Did you ever have any desire for that? Oh, no. I, I'd be awful at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a showman like my grandpa is. <laughs> well, it does. It, it, it's an art, most yes. definitely. Um, in growing up, what was your thought about making Millbank your forever home? Was that an option? Was that something you thought about? Yeah. I mean, my whole mom's side of the family lives in Millbank. So uh, me and my brother grew up with my three cousins, the Castrups, and we lived like two blocks away from them. So I've always had family around in the area. So I've always wanted to like move away. Like as a kid, Mm -hmm. we're always like, I hate small towns. There's nothing to do. And like, as I grew up, I like learned to appreciate it more, especially now that I live in the Twin Cities and I hear some of my friends who grew up in the cities, like they couldn't just ride their bikes around town Mm -hmm. and tell their parents I'll be back at two or something. Then it'd be okay. Yeah. <laughs> You've been out of school for now f- four years? Yep, almost four. Wow. Mm-hmm. Going to school at the U of M? Yes. University of Minnesota? In the Twin Cities, yeah. So in high school, as you were planning on college, what mm-hmm. did you, um, what was your intended major? So I decided when I was five years old, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Oh, so it's still the same. Yeah. Yep. So Good I, work. I haven't changed for 16 years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Not I'm, bad. I'm very indecisive, so when I finally decide on something, that's I'm going to stick with it. Like a bulldog. Yeah. That's right. Hey, little mascot for you. Exactly. Um, why did you choose uh, Minnesota? So one of the most important things to me was I wanted to go to a school that had a vet school. And so then I could just kind of establish where I was going to be for the next eight years, potentially, if I got into that vet school. And so my main choices were Iowa State. Uh, the University of Minnesota Morris and the University of Minnesota Twin Cities. And then I also considered uh, Concordia College in Moorhead just because 
that's where my mom went to school. It's where two of my cousins went. So I had a little family push to go there. But ultimately, I decided on the University of Minnesota Twin Cities. Have you regretted that at all? No, not at all. Okay. So it is the end goal a doctorate? Yes. Like, is that the, to, to be a vet? Yes. Like, your, your, your goal is to be a veterinarian? Yes. I'll have my DVM and hopefully my master's of public health. Now, you <laughs> did just spend how long in, in where? South America? Um, I spent a week and a half in Costa Rica. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Nice and warm. Whatever. <laughs> so in case you don't know, we're under a winter warn, winter, uh, winter storm warning right now? Mm-hmm. For, for tomorrow. blizzard and snow tomorrow. So thanks a lot. You're welcome. You brought it with you, whatever. <laughs> it's payback. Right. Oh, wait, you're leaving tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going uh, back to the Twin Cities, so. I see. <laughs> what were you doing there? Um, we were doing volunteer veterinary work for five days. So four of the days was kind of the small animal day. So now, now, is this just random people bring their pets to you to get anything done? Yeah, for the most part. Um, I've actually done this before in Guatemala. And so... How long ago? It was two years ago on winter break as well. Okay. And so it's in Costa Rica, you act, the people bring their pets and it's only $10 a like for an entire spay or neuter procedure. And in Guatemala, it's completely free. And so it's a lot of, it's a nonprofit um, organization called Vita Volunteer. Okay. They have veterinary, dental, and medical programs set up in Guatemala, Nicaragua, and Costa Rica. Now, did you go work with local uh, vets? Yeah. Uh, Vita uh, employs certain veterinarians from Costa Rica, Nicaragua, okay. and Guatemala. And they have... Uh, contracts for every trip that they do and so they work with us one-on-one and you've already been out of country doing that kind of thing was it yes. much different than Guatemala yeah uh one thing I really liked about Guatemala is that we did actually did home the coffee stays. The co- <laughs> yeah the coffee is amazing in both countries definitely <laughs> but in Guatemala we did home stays so we stayed with a Guatemalan oh. family for I believe three days when we were doing our clinic work there. Mm-hmm. And in Costa Rica, we didn't do that. So I felt like there was kind of a disconnect from like completely being immersed in the culture where we just stayed at hotels. And oh, so it was more like a, a vacation almost? Yes. A tourist? Low budget vacation. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> How many people went? Uh, there was five of us from the University of Minnesota, two from Iowa State, two from Wisconsin, one from Ohio State. Uh, and two from Canada that were all pre-vet students. And then there was five from Ross University, which is a veterinary school in the Caribbean. So they were used to the war. What did you do? <laughs> um, on I mean, was this like wide-ranging issues, or was it, were you there for a specific purpose? For the most part, we were there to spay and neuter, and okay. then also like deworm and give flea and tick preventatives. Mm-hmm. Um, almost every dog that came in had fleas and ticks and which is covered in them. Is that just because of the climate and the culture there? Yeah, and it's also like um, the people just don't have like the affordable veterinary care or accessible veterinary care that Mm -hmm. we have in in these countries. And also just the culture is different with pets, whereas they let their dogs out on the streets, they run around, and then they'll come back at night. So you don't know where your dog has been, what it's been doing. Do they have um, like rabies, diseases like that over there? Yes. <clears throat> is it prevalent or just is it still pretty rare? Um, It's still pretty rare and about as rare as it is up here. They mm-hmm. just don't. We didn't vaccinate at all on this trip. And so um, we didn't see any rabies in any of the dogs that came in. And so 
That wow. was good. How many animals do you think that you had <clears throat> a direct contact with while you were there this trip? Um. Well, I'm trying to think. I did mm-hmm, probably two surgeries every single day that we were there. Now, so did you actually do them? Like at this point in your schooling, are you cutting the animal? Or are you no. still just assisting? <laughs> I am not okay. qualified for that. <laughs> okay. But uh, they definitely did let us assist as much as we can. Mm-hmm. And so it was a two-person team for each animal that came in. And it'd be like the pre-vet students. And so we were in charge of doing the entire physical exam. A vet didn't do that. We were in charge of that. And then we put in the IV catheter, which we okay. wouldn't be able to even dream about doing that up here. Why? Um. Just you have to Just be different licensed. Regulations? Yeah, really? mm-hmm. you have to be licensed to do anything like that. And then we also um, gave the anesthesia medication. We calculated how much it was going to be. And so during the actual surgery, one of us was the anesthesiologist, and the other was the assistant in the surgery. And so they definitely let us do some ligatures or like tying up, mm-hmm. um, and then some cutting here and there, but. Under the watchful eye right. of the vets. Make sure well, we don't screw were, it up. Were the vets local or were they from America as well? They were local. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you had any experience working with a, a U.S. vet? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. How was that? How was it different? Um, it's definitely a lot different, um, especially under these circumstances, because we're trying to do 21 surgeries. That was our goal every single day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so it was like, get them in, get them out. Mm-hmm. And so... I feel like in the U.S. we take our time a lot slower. Um, it's much sterile conditions than it is down there, and so when we're trying to go a little faster, it's kind of harder to actually ask them all these in-depth questions like I was able to do up in Millbank with mm-hmm. Dr. Lentz. Or so after you, let's so you have a semester left. Yes. Of your undergrad. Yes, my bachelor's. And then your goal, is the program still on the same campus? Yes. Like to continue on? Mm -hmm. The vet school is on the St. Paul campus of the U of Okay. Are you in? Yes. I got accepted into a program called the Vet Fast program in the summer of 2016. So this program is trying to encourage people to go into more rural and large animal medicine. And you apply at the end of your freshman or sophomore year and you have to be attending a University of Minnesota campus. And then once you get in, it kind of guarantee, guarantees you a seat as long as you keep your GPA up. So will that start in the fall of yes. 18? Yes. I'll be starting along with everyone who goes through the traditional acceptance mm-hmm. route. Is that a... Then is it four more years? Yes. Like without question? Yes. At, at least four more? At least, yeah. <laughs> and then when you graduate then, are you a doctor? Yes. At that point? I'd be Dr. Jones. Wow. <laughs> you chose that school because of the, the program. Mm-hmm. Did the fact that it was close to home help? Oh, definitely. Are you a, are you a homebody or do you like oh, to travel? I'm a, I like to travel for short periods mm-hmm. of time, but I'm definitely a homebody where I wanted to be able to come home when I wanted to. And so I really wanted to have my car on campus so I could right. just drive home for a weekend. Or How different... Before you went to college, which, you know, mm-hmm. we've got a few years under you now. Right. What was your idea of what it would be like? You know, because Millbank is 30, a, a high numbers, 3,500 yes. people yeah. in the city. How big is your class? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 35,000 or no, 65,000, I believe, in all on of On campus. Yeah, on campus. And that's uh, the graduate programs mm-hmm. and the professional programs. 
And I want to say my class was, oh my gosh, I mm, <laughs> maybe 10,000 possibly. <laughs> we were one of the larger wow. classes. Yeah. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. So when you graduate in the, in the it, it, will it be in June? Uh, May. Actual, it's yeah. in May. There will be nearly 10,000 graduates. Well, luckily, going through there. <laughs> luckily, the U of M splits their graduations okay. up into their specific colleges. Oh, so gotcha. I'm in okay. CFANS, which is the College of Food, Agriculture, and Natural Resources. And then there's like um, CBS, Carlson School of Business, um, or no, College of Biological Sciences. Then there's the Carlson School of Business and. The College of Liberal Arts wow. and et cetera. Okay, so. so they all have their own event, their yes. own graduate. Okay. Yeah. And I think the College of Liberal Arts, the largest college, mm-hmm. um, actually has two different ceremonies. So <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, so you had, I mean, that, that's a big school. It, yeah, definitely a big change means, than right. the 85 people How, I graduated <laughs> right. with. How was that going your first year? What was the biggest thing that shocked you? Um, I guess... I was just very nervous because two people from my high school class went to the U of M from, from your class. Like, were you close to them at all? I mean, eighty-five people, you get close well, to everyone, but <laughs> yeah, but I mean, to, to close enough to stay connected with them. Oh, uh, one of them I did stay okay. connected with, and then the other one I'll see her every now and then, and we'll chat. But yeah, um, and so they ended up on East Bank. The way the U of M is is there's three different banks we call them. There's West Bank, East Bank, and then St. Paul. And St. Paul is kind of way out in the boondocks, away from everything else. <laughs> and so that's where I ended up um, in my dorm. Okay. And so I was very nervous going in, just not really knowing anyone and trying to make these connections in such a big school. And so I was, I consider myself lucky that I ended up in Bailey Hall, which is the dorm, um, because... There's probably 300 people in that dorm, and we're kind of separated. So it was almost like Millbank, where I got to like recognize people's faces mm-hmm. every day and got to really know people rather than not knowing anyone. Right. Have you changed much? If, I, if we pulled I like your, to think so. If we pulled your mom <laughs> in here, would she say that you're a different person? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a solid set of foundational values? Yeah. Going into it. Mm-hmm. I was really involved in like student council mm-hmm. in high school. And I think more of those leadership activities like allow you to kind of understand what you value or like what your morals are. And so that's something that I've tried to keep and tried not to change and just trying to ground myself with those. Has that been easy? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Like I said, the U of M, a lot of partying, a lot of... <laughs> just a lot of opportunity to try to stray from those morals or even stray from your goals. It's really easy to get distracted in the cities. Um, Is that just because there's so much to do? Yeah, there's, there's a lot so to many do. people. Luckily, it costs money, so <laughs> 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 that kind of prevents Puts me from... Puts a damper on things, yeah. good. Yeah, and so I didn't spend as much time in the library these past four years as I hoped I would, but <laughs> but it's about getting experienced. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Was it this last summer you got an internship in D.C.? Two summers ago. Summer 2016. Yep. I was in D.C. the election year. What was your capacity there? What did you do? So I was an intern for Representative Chrissy Nome. Okay. And then the second half of the summer, I was an intern for Senator John Thune. 
was that planned to split it up like that? Yes. Initially, that was the deal? Yeah. So it's kind of weird because Christy Gnome's internship is mm-hmm. for the full summer. And John Thune does two different sets of interns. And so halfway through the summer, he gets a completely new batch of interns. And so luckily, I started off with Christy Gnome. And this other intern started off with John Thune. And then we just kind of switched places. I was glad that the offices were so cooperative in doing that because... I had gotten um, a stipend that required me to be there the entire oh, summer. Okay. So, so how many weeks was that? I want to say it was about a twelve-week program. You were there that long. I believe I was there for three <clears throat> months, mm-hmm. from the end of May to the middle of August. What was yeah. your job? Um, I did a lot of answering the phone. So if you called to complain, you yelled at me. Really? <laughs> did Did you yes. have like a list of of answers? Like, like official talking point answers? I mean, we, as an intern, we were not allowed to speak on behalf of the representative or the senator because that could go very oh, totally, bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like we're not qualified at all. <laughs> and so um, we just kind of took notes on what their complaint was about, like what specific legislation. Mm-hmm. And we pass that on um, to the legislative assistants at Christie. And or they John put Huff. it in the shredder? No. <laughs> they actually go through and. Um, I see uh, one of my favorite things is to like read comments on like um, our uh, delegations, like Facebook posts mm-hmm. or Instagram posts, because you'll have a lot of upset people mm-hmm. who are just frustrated with the system right. of, well, I just got this generic letter back to me. And even though you're getting that, like people are reading these really? and it we probably get <clears throat> some days we'd get like 100 calls. And we'd have to like report all of those and send those to the right people. And how much of that is actually seen by the elected representative or senator? Almost none of it. So it's um, to the the legislative assistants. So each legislative assistant, mm-hmm. and John Thune has many more than Christy does. Um, like Christy Nome had, I believe, four legislative assistants, and each of them had about. Eight different categories of that legislation. They had to kind of oversee yes. and filter. Mm-hmm. And so they were researching things. They were trying to get the public's opinion on all of these. And then they would pass along oh, what they believed um, to be necessary to be known to the congresswoman or the senator. How close to Christy or John were you? Did you ever see them? Yes. I saw them a Once? couple times. <laughs> yeah. Well, for Senator Thune, uh, the Senate was actually out of session the majority of the time I was there. So I saw Senator Thune for about a week Mm -hmm. before he came back to South Dakota. Um, So you were there while he was here? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so they try to make it a point of like getting to know the interns and having a conversation and sitting down with them. And yeah, and so they're really good about that. And the congresswoman will come in and just say hello to you if you're sitting at your desk and chat for the short periods of time she Mm -hmm. has. And Were you stuck in... Your office all day? I mean, did you have like a cubicle you had to live in or was there some, did you get to see things? Yeah. Well, we sat at the desk and then um, we mostly answered phones. But another big part of being an intern is we would give tours of the U.S. Capitol to the constituents that would come in. Really? Mm-hmm. So that was one of your jobs? Yeah. So I got to spew all these That's facts cool. about the Capitol. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. And 
unfortunately, they were doing some construction on the dome, mm-hmm. and one of the most gorgeous rooms is the rotunda, right? Which is directly under the mm-hmm. dome. So they had scaffolding up. Oh, bummer! And they had the apotheosis of George Washington, which is mm-hmm. the big painting on the ceiling, and that was covered. So oh, that was kind of disappointing. How many other interns were there? The congresswoman had three interns, so two others besides me, and then. Senator Thune had four interns, so three other interns. Is it pretty crazy? It can like, be. Is, is some the days. atmosphere pretty crazy? Yeah, like especially if you're trying to get from, like some days I'd have to go from the House side to mm-hmm. the Senate side, and there can just be a lot of people that you're speed walking in between. And <laughs> I'm always intrigued because any television or movie that has anything to do with government like mm-hmm. that, there's a lot of swearing. Is that accurate? Oh, no. No. I I think they try to keep it clean around us. They try not to ruin us that young. (laughs) Did you get to uh, see uh, the relationship between the representatives and the media? Um, Sometimes. Not all the times. Um, Just because the House and the Senate, they have their own, like, interviewing rooms Mm -hmm. and their own press conference rooms. And so that's done more outside of the office. And... If the senator or congresswoman were to take an interview, they mostly did it in their office with the okay. door shut. Well, then you have the party, these party issues. Mm-hmm. Is that pretty vitriolic or is everyone pretty cordial? I think everyone's pretty cordial. Yeah. I mean, in, I like to think that the South Dakota delegation mm-hmm. is a lot more cordial than other delegations would be. Um, even though we are a pretty red state, mm-hmm. we're very close. To, I, I mean, we're South Dakotans. We like to make right. relationships with people and... Keep to our party lines, but understand who we're representing. Mm-hmm. And is there, like, from that vantage point that you mm-hmm. had, is the the party divide really as big as it's made out to be in the media that we see? I mean, I or, can definitely see that. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that happened during the summer was um, after the nightclub shooting in Florida mm-hmm. during Pride Week, um, the Democrats actually did a sit-in in the House. Right, yes. yes. One thing that happened was the Republicans who were in charge of the House turned off the ca- mm-hmm. uh, news cameras. The, yeah, so then people had to go go to Facebook Live yeah. and Twitter. Yeah, which is actually against the floor rules. Like, right, you're not yeah. supposed to have cell phones. and can you, you can't even carry them on the floor? No. Like, if I were to ever go just as a visitor, mm-hmm. I had to leave my phone on a podium somewhere. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not even allowed. The same thing happened with the Republicans a few years before they had a sit-in, mm-hmm. and the Republican or the Democrats shut the lights mm-hmm. off on them. So it's kind of, it's almost childish. No, how totally. it, of but, course it is. Right. <laughs> but it's funny, though, when, when the party that's not in power, they think that they're just getting railroaded. Yeah. And yet when they're in power, then they railroad. Yeah, and, it's I like mean, both it's, sides it's do stupid. it. And <laughs> I know. You're all, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> they, they all have their problems, exactly. most definitely. Um, what was the biggest thing that you gained out of going, being in D.C. Do you, that you can think of? I think I definitely gained a lot more respect for um, our delegation. Mm-hmm. And just, because it, it's an awful job, honestly. <laughs> you get yelled at. And I know Senator Thune and Congresswoman Known, they would get up at like 5.30 in the morning. And they'd be in meetings all day. And they'd be running from place to place. And then they wouldn't go to bed until like 11 p.m. And then they'd have to get up and do it all again. Or they'd be traveling back to South Mm -hmm. Dakota and 
they'd be doing um, coffee hours back here or they'd be going out meeting or trying to spend time with their family. Right. And so it really is a 24-7 job. And I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> so politics is not your future. Yeah, no. Not at least that side of politics. Right. Did, was that ever a thought? I mean, were you in uh, speech and debate in high school? Yes. Mm-hmm. Did that ever intrigue you going into political science at all? Well, I'm actually a minor in political science Interesting. at the U. Yeah. And so I'm looking into getting my master's of public health. And so I'm hoping to maybe go into politics at towards the end of my veterinary mm-hmm. career, but more to do- To what end? To um, kind of do disease eradication. Okay. So, like, look at policies on how we can, like, prevent tuberculosis in the state. Or if there was an anthrax outbreak. Mm-hmm. A lot of veterinarians have more experience with anthrax than, like, medical doctors. And so, Is there a, a good communication uh, system between vets and, like, people doctors? I think they're starting to get better. Um, one of the biggest things that people vet schools and medical schools are advocating for is Mm -hmm. the One Health Initiative. So that means that unless we can get environment, uh, animal, and people health under control, all three of those, Mm -hmm. not a single one will be healthy. Like if we only get the environment health under control, then it's eventually going to come back around and become unhealthy because of people and animals. And so there's a lot of push to work with medical doctors and environmentalists within the veterinary fields to try and just get rid of all these diseases Mm -hmm. and just make the entire world and people and organisms healthier. Boy, that's a great pipe dream. (laughs) I know. I'm going to fix the world. (laughs) I like it. Is that a soapbox you're standing on? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Are you running for Miss America? Yes, I am. World peace. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) You fall on the conservative side of politics. Mm -hmm. How is that being on a campus that is rather opposite of that view? It's very interesting. Um, I like to think that I'm pretty open to hearing other people's ideas. That's something that speech and debate here in Melbourne taught me Mm -hmm. is that, well, especially when we have to defend both sides, is that no one's wrong in the argument. It's just we're both trying to, like, reach the similar goal, and we just have different ways. And so I've tried to be as outspoken as I can while also being respectable. Sometimes it's hard. I know... Right now, I'm living in a house. There's five of us, and four of them are Democrats, and then there's me, really? the Republican. Yes, <clears throat> and so <laughs> <laughs> how does that go? It goes pretty. I mean, it goes d- d- does it just not get dealt with much, or is everyone pretty? Yeah, pretty it, open. It doesn't get dealt with much. Um, I know the roommates. I can have these conversations with, and some that I'm don't really. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's a very interesting campus for. The political sides and debates. Now, you, um, this would have been your first presidential election to vote in, correct? Yes, that is the first election I voted in. How was that? It was good. Um, what did you think about that process? Um, I was very excited. I really liked the primary elections, just deciding who was going to be mm-hmm. um, the delegate, or yeah, the represent a free party. Mm-hmm. And so I was a huge Marco Rubio supporter. So that was very heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> um, even so that he was doing a public forum sort of thing in Decor, Iowa. Mm-hmm. And Did you go? Yeah. It was at 6.30 <laughs> in the morning. So I left the oh, Twin man. Cities at 3 a.m. <laughs> and made it. And I made it. Just you? Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. I told my mom after. She wasn't too happy, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's better to do it at the end. Exactly. Um, th- th- then, like, after he was out, I-, I can't remember how that broke down after that. Like, being on campus, did mm-hmm. you ever think that someone uh, like Trump would get the nomination? Oh, not at all. During the first debate, I t- even tweeted I said, all right, we need to stop encouraging Donald Trump and pretending he's a real candidate. (laughs) So I never thought in a million years. And even the night of the election Mm -hmm. when Trump won, I like I could not believe it. Like I never 100 percent thought it was going to be Hillary. Why? I don't know. He just I get the idea that Trump is someone outside of the political Mm -hmm. sphere. And we like to think that the political sphere is corrupt. I mean, corrupt Hillary, crooked Hillary, all of that. (laughs) But I still felt that there was enough support. And also, being on the liberal campus, that's all I heard is Hillary are writing in for Bernie. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, never Trump. Hey, that that was their slogan. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) Do you think that that was kind of, like, that opinion was kind of shaped just simply because the media was having none of it? I think so. And I think um, people just kind of got sick of the political mm-hmm. and especially like the media spin on things because mm-hmm. they have such an influence on how people. Oh, think. no, they don't. Okay. They're straight down, straight oh, up. Oh, 100%. Fact. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think that just like pushed to like more people being frustrated. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine even said that it was almost like Hillary was um, pertaining to more of the minority vote that she forgot about the majority Mm -hmm. and i think that's how a lot of people felt and that's why they kind of swayed more towards trump well and i i I also wonder if part of that had to do with the fact that because he was so far out of what the media and what kind of our society has deemed Mm -hmm. as an appropriate presidential candidate yes he was so far outside of that that nobody even thought well there's no way he's gonna win and yeah. so they didn't even attempt to cover it mm-hmm. like a real candidate. Yeah. Well, I I mean, that to me clearly shows that the possibility for an Oprah to win is outrageous. Yeah. Because someone coming from outside like that, mm-hmm. like it or it not, is. when you talk, when you have a, a, an, a platform that really rails against the establishment mm-hmm. on both sides... I think you're going to win at yeah. some point in today's society mm-hmm. because people just hate the they hate the corruption yeah. at some level that they see and they're just frustrated at yeah. how and slow the system right. is. It takes and... forever to get anything mm-hmm. done, and so it, it intrigues me to see that process because I yes. I mean I, I I tend to watch the news and coverage that way mm-hmm. with in the back of my head going this is just crap from both yes. sides you know yeah. so what are they hiding yes. by showing this. Mm-hmm. And so it's way, way more fun to watch the news when you think that it's probably not really what's going right. on. <laughs> and maybe it is. I don't know. But it's just fun to. It's nice to know that whatever they're telling you probably isn't true yeah. and you'll yeah. never know. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm intrigued you were on the ground there. Yeah. You know, kind of what, you know, what the real pulse of being yeah. in the Capitol building. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we have pretty straightforward uh a delegation mm-hmm. and so i mean it was kind of boring more boring than you thought it'd be <laughs> Bummer, like, right? i know <laughs> well that's all right though right. um you, you said the campus was pretty is pretty blue yes um like what happened wednesday after the election like how was campus um it was very dim and i know a lot of professors actually emailed their students and said 
um, if you need a mental health day, you don't need to come in to class today. Like you're excused. What do you think about that? I think that to me, it was kind of ridiculous. Like Mm -hmm. I understand either way, someone was going to be disappointed. But I knew that if Hillary Clinton had won, that they wouldn't have sent that email to people who would have swayed Republican. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then they almost made it seem like. Like, if you are fearful, like, just let us, like, we're here for you and, like, we're going to protect you. And so it was just a very different feeling. And, like, I didn't, wasn't affected by it. And even though I wasn't a Trump supporter, it was just, this is the way it is. And to me, with politics, you're never going to get what you want. So you just have to keep, like, living your life and moving forward. Well, that's it exactly. (laughs) Who the president is, in reality, doesn't affect Mm -hmm. you that much yeah i mean the president when you think about it doesn't have this big substantial power that we like controls the military yes that's really Mm -hmm. it and they can make executive (laughs) orders but ultimately congress Mm -hmm. is the one with all the power bitcoin what do you think about bitcoin (laughs) oh my gosh i don't even know it's fake money (laughs) i had a i was talking to an invest investment uh, advisor the other day Mm -hmm. about that should you invest all just, your money in Bitcoin? Right, just all of them. I'm taking mortgages <laughs> out for it. You bet. Um, no, and, and the analogy was along the lines of, you know, if, yeah. if you buy a Bitcoin, what do you have? Well, who knows? Mm-hmm. You have ones and zeros somewhere yeah. on a hard drive. What happens if the hard drive gets shot? What if it burns up? Yeah. Is it gone? Well, yeah. Yes. And the analogy was you have a violin case that's closed. Mm-hmm. And you're telling people inside this case... Is a Stradivarius. Yeah, it's like a Buy Schrodinger's it. cat. Yeah, I'm not going to open it. I'm going to show you, <laughs> but it's in there. Trust me. I don't even understand like how if you're like, okay, well, I'm done investing. Like, do you even get right. your money back, or do you get the money? Well, I... they've shut down some sell-offs, which that makes no sense. Yeah. If I've invested, I want. I want it's, money. It's, right, it's value. <laughs> I, in theory, don't sell it. Yeah. So the internet's that, just it. crazy. Oh my word. <laughs> okay, so. Just uh, since we're on politics yes. um, and being on a very blue campus mm-hmm. and you tend to go the other way, um, what is the on-campus feeling of Ben Shapiro? <laughs> well, because like Concordia yeah. is going through a huge issue right now. And this right now mm-hmm. it's January 9, 2018. Uh, they're in the middle of a big debacle because mm-hmm. they allotted some money for him to come and then people, people are, freaked out and yeah. they had to pull the money back and then donors are pulling their money now. It's a big deal. Yes. There was an issue something like that mm-hmm. where the college Republicans brought in, I don't remember her name, but she, I want to say it's from Canada, is like more conservative, and she was brought in to talk. And there was protest outside, and the college Republicans sent out an email where we're just like, do not fight the protesters. Like, we're right. already given a bad name on campus. Like, don't encourage it. But yeah, they like brought in UMPD just like just for this one speech and so it wasn't i don't believe donors were pulling out mm-hmm. because it wasn't a university mm-hmm. specific okay. right. um event but the student groups brought her in and and so that was a little more tension mm-hmm. than i think it should have been but Do you what what are your thoughts on this idea that somebody that holds a differing political view to you shouldn't be allowed to speak that doesn't sit well with me because why um 
It's just that, I mean, freedom of speech, as long as they're not, like, invoking, like, you need to go and commit these crimes or you need to, like, go beat these people up. And if you're just saying, like, if you're just stating your political stance, I Mm -hmm. don't think that they shouldn't allow you to speak, especially on a public campus like the University of Minnesota. Concordia is a little more iffy. but Yeah, because they're a private school. Yeah. Right. But as a public school, mm-hmm. like, you just shouldn't be able to just say, well, you can't speak here because of what you believe in. And so... And yet that is kind of what's happening, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so... What do you think that does to the uh, the education system? The university system. Yeah. And to me, that just kind of inhibits you and it doesn't give you a different point of view because that's one of the things um, a lot of the people I've spoken to said is like you have to have all these different points of view and that's what going to a big school is. But when the majority is liberal and then they won't like almost discuss different views Mm -hmm. with you. And then so they're just going back on their word because it's not something that they agree with. And so that can just get a little frustrating. (laughs) I can imagine. So that's when you go and you study animals. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You go to the St. Paul campus, (laughs) go pet the cows. (laughs) Is it a full, like, vet hospital? Yep. We have um, our own small animal hospital, a large animal hospital, and then we also have an equine center hospital. It's just horse. Yes. So what, uh, do they ever have exotic animals? Uh, Not usually. Usually, like, uh, the Como Zoo or the Minnesota Zoo, Mm -hmm. they'll actually have a vet, I believe, on staff that will go and do kind of more of those exotic things. Mm -hmm. Like, I know the Como Zoo had to put down, or not put down, but um, put under a polar bear just to, like, pull some teeth. Well, yeah, they're not going to just sit there and say, okay, go ahead. All right, open up. I'm ready. Yeah. (laughs) Just give them some laughing gas. It's <laughs> right. fine. Um, do you see yourself, um, getting back to your career, um, <laughs> do you see your career being more toward uh, just general house animals, or do you are you thinking more of the, uh, the farm world, well, um, big animals? Yeah, I'm looking what do you like the most? towards uh, rural medicine, so a little bit of both. I like both. Mm-hmm. Um, I like small animals just because it's a little more exciting than some of like the dairy work that's done because all you do is like you see if they're pregnant or not and you just kind of go through the same rotations whereas there's a little more um mystery within Mm -hmm. small animal but i kind of like the like farm animal i like the owners better because they're not (laughs) like (laughs) i know that some people they like to tell you different stories Uh about what actually happened to their pet because they don't want to seem like a bad pet owner and that can just get frustrating. Do you, <laughs> what do you think about people that value their pets equal or above humans? I mean, I I do see an issue with that where it's like they're not when people, especially when they, I mean, like going into animal rights, which I probably mm-hmm. shouldn't, but <laughs> when people are well, saying, well, that's intriguing because yeah. you're on a liberal campus, yes, and I would assume that that's kind of a big. A big deal. Yeah, you'll have people every now and then who do do the like the animal rights and mm-hmm. be like really pushing towards a vegan lifestyle. And um, even in the animal science department, I've met people who want to be veterinarians who are vegetarian or vegan, mm-hmm. and that's caused some issues in some <laughs> classes. But <laughs> 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 to me personally, I don't believe that 
animals and humans are on the same level. Mm -hmm. I believe that you can care for your pet as best, like you should care for your pet as best as you can. They can be a part of the family, but when you're taking care of your pet better than your child, there's an issue. (laughs) (laughs) At this point in your life, Mm -hmm. I mean, you still have much school left. Yes. Is the community of Millbank a viable option for you to actually have your career in? Yeah, I would definitely enjoy coming back to Millbank or a town like Millbank um, just because of not only opportunities that I've seen within this, also like my family's here and I just don't want to, if I was to start a family, I don't want it to happen in a larger city. Like I would like them to have a childhood like I did, but also I know the community and I would like to know my clients mm-hmm. as well as I know that Dr. Susan and Dr. Lenz do in Milbank. Mm-hmm. Are there any um <laughs> are there any boys in your life? Oh gosh. <laughs> Sorry, <I laughs> what mean... a question. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, n- nice dodge. Good work. Right? <laughs> uh something I have started kind of thinking about and asking um you younger kids. Mm-hmm. How important in a community are things like parks, bike paths, community activity mm-hmm. centers, outdoor rec spaces. Mm-hmm. How important are those to you? I believe that they're very important. Like, that's where I spent all of my summers. Um, there wasn't a lot to do in Millbank. If mm-hmm. you, you could go to the lake. Um, but most of my days in the summer were spent riding bike around Pribble Park. And then we'd ride our bikes to Casey's and get some snacks and then <laughs> <laughs> go back. Because we weren't allowed to cross the... F- at right. that time, four lane, yeah. but highway twelve. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. Now, though, when you come back as a as an adult, mm-hmm. do those things mean anything? Like, is that something you would look at as a necessity in a community that you would want to settle down in? Yeah, I would definitely still look at that, just because, like, when even now when I come back, we'll still take the dogs for walks mm-hmm. around Pribble Park, and I mean. If you're not having these parks, you're going to have kids who just stay inside all day. And that's just not something I I would like to see or the environment I think I'd like to be around is I would like to see kids out and playing mm-hmm. in the summer, even if they weren't mine. And, right. Mm-hmm. At this point, um, with where you see Millbank right now, mm-hmm. is it in the top of where you want to end? I think it's changed over the years. Like since I was a kid to compare it to now, things have definitely changed and I would definitely consider coming back um there are things I'd like to see improve around Melbank um I know that more drugs have come into the community which is very unfortunate and not something that I'd really like to see and so I'd like to see that improve if I were to consider coming back do you think that that is just a byproduct of population growth yeah I definitely believe that and I also believe that it's not just a Millbank problem. I think it's all around the states, and and I don't know if it's just because it's more easily accessible, if it's because I'm older and know about it now, or what it is. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely something I'd looked into when like choosing a community I'd like to settle down in. Uh, does the weather have any bearing on where you want to live? <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> I mean, Costa Rica would be wonderful <laughs> right. all year round, but. <laughs> But then it rains there, so you can't well, have everything. You can't have all of it. Yeah. Right. So if there is one thing right this moment, other than lessening the drug problem, mm-hmm. that you 
would encourage Milbank as a community to do to be more attractive to young young adults? I know that one thing that Milbank has really improved on is like downtown Milbank. And um, while I wasn't here this summer, that was really cool to see just more people interacting mm-hmm. and just having something to do, especially as a younger adult. And you're talking about the farmer's market they brought to yeah. the street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just like having that where it's, you don't necessarily have to buy things, but it's like getting out. There's something and, to do. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just having that event there or more things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's been really nice to see like the smaller businesses pop up around Main Street just as um, not only to support the smaller businesses, but also that's something else you can do. Whereas like in the cities or in a larger town, you can just go walk the malls. Mm-hmm. And now in Millbank, you can just go walk these small stores right. and look around. What makes Millbank succeed for the next 50 years? Community support. Because um, you just don't see that in the cities. You don't see that in even neighborhoods in the cities, from my experience, where it's people just don't know their neighbors. And I know... That, like, when something bad happens in Millbank, you're going to have hundreds of people supporting you, mm-hmm. and you're going to have someone who's setting up a benefit for you that may not even be your best friend or, like, someone even close to you. But And you're going to have people show up who don't even know you mm-hmm. because that's just what you do in a small town, in a small community. And that's something that I think needs to continue if we're going to stay a thriving town. I would agree. Yeah. You know, I grew up on the West Coast, which in, in a, a much bigger community than this, mm-hmm. but still a small community compared to a metro. Yeah. Um, and even that, I was just back there a few months ago. Um, it didn't feel homey at all. Mm-hmm. It was really kind of unfortunate. It made me not want to be there, even yeah. though that's where I'm from. I mean, you'd think that there's some some nostalgia there and there's yeah. some, some pull, but... There's just not that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I think of Millbank now as where I want to go home to. Yeah, that's something I never thought would be the case. Mm-hmm. But I do think it has a lot to do with that that community, the the group that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard a fair amount of people mention to me that well, we don't want to make Millbank get too much bigger because then <laughs> then we're gonna lose the you feel lose you've the got. Community, yeah. So mm-hmm. how, how where's the balance there? Keeping our values as a town of. Um, like saying hello to everyone. I know I lost, like, when you're driving in Millbank, you do the little right, farmer's oh yeah. wave, uh-huh. the two finger up on the steering wheel. I lost that driving <laughs> in the city because you can't wave to everyone. <laughs> right. But but even just, like, saying hello to people in the grocery store. And and I think that's what, at least to me, makes it home. It's like people I went to school with, their parents will stay, still say hello to me. And so even though you can't get as close connections, just making some sort of connection. Mm-hmm. Do you think that a community the size of Millbank could have almost a value statement? Do you think that would be hard to do? I don't believe so. I think while there are many different views, and I've been lucky to see some of the different views, I believe that we're all working towards the same goal, and we still like value small business. We still value like the family lifestyle, and we just still value being prosperous while also being respectful towards each other. Well, I appreciate you coming in uh, for this, and I do want to do this again, especially after you get into the the next phase of your education. I think it'd be really fun to to see where that's headed. And yeah, um, is it four years in school? Yes. And then do you uh, does a vet have like a residency kind of situation? They do only if you want to like 
specialize in like surgery or if you're like I want to be an oncologist okay. or anything like that so I'll be going into just clinical practice so I won't have to do that residency like our fourth year is rotations okay and so it's not a lot of classroom work it's actually like on so site hands-on somewhere yes okay mm-hmm. Morgan I appreciate you coming in uh, any last words you have for the the people it's been real it's been fun <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me and I hope this was of some value to some people, but... <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming in. Um, this is the Campus Report. The goal of this show is to just sit down with uh, kids that graduated from Millbank and are currently in college um, at some level and, you know, where it is. Just see where they're at, um, how things are different, and really kind of... <laughs> How we can get them to come back. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really part of it. You know, because Millbank is such a cool little community. I wanna I wanna see if we can make it go and I like the uh, all the differing thoughts on how to make that work. So I appreciate you coming in very much. Um, this is the campus report for January 9, 2018. Have a great day, everybody.